my, my point recommendation encouragement to anyone who's watching and listening is that you really have the miracle inside you right now for what your next step is going to be, for what your future is going to look like. And in a way, and I know this sounds perhaps naive, but it, it works if you can get out of your own way and be open and be willing to look for the opportunities that show up, they will show up for you. Retirement. That's what we're all aiming at, right? But exactly what does that mean? It conjures up visions of endless days of golf, drinks with little umbrellas in them on a tropical beach, feet up reading a book. Is that what it's all about? I don't think so. Life would get pretty dull after a while without anything meaningful to do, don't you think? I'm Jackie Doucette, and I'm on a mission to discover exactly what life is like beyond retirement. Join me while I chat with people who've already done it, who've retired to something rather than from something. Let's find out together exactly what's waiting for us when we say goodbye to that nine to five. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Beyond Retirement. Today, it's my pleasure to be joined by John Tarnoff. And having been fired 39% of the time during the first 35 years of his uh, career, he's learned how to turn setbacks into successes. He reinvented his own career at the age of 50, earning a master's degree in counseling psychology. And he's a career transition coach now who focuses on helping professionals in the middle and later stages of their career to define, plan, and achieve more meaningful and sustainable careers. John, thanks for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me on, Jackie. I'm really pleased to be here. I think this is going to be a really interesting conversation. I was looking at your website just before I, we started, and I think your whole focus is the same kind of thing that I'm aiming at, that you know, there is life out there after, after retirement. You don't have to retire. Maybe, maybe you can't retire, all of those sorts of things. But one of the things that I saw um, was a quote or a message on your site that says, just because you stop being the right fit for a job doesn't make you a bad person or a failure. And I think right now, especially um, where some people have maybe lost their jobs or retired because of COVID, they might be thinking that, you know, maybe I can't do it. What, you know, what do I do now? I've had that job forever. Um, what can you tell them? What can you talk about that, that kind of leads them into the right direction, the right frame of mind? Right. Well, I think you, you bring up something which is really, really key. And it is when, when people ask me, what is the biggest challenge to reinventing your career, perpetuating your career, kind of figuring out a new configuration for your career at this age, uh, particularly for people who have been fired, uh, laid off, uh, forced into early retirement, you know, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and it is this identification with the job that you've had that can really create this block against conceiving of and certainly moving towards something new. So I would say for anyone who is kind of um, you know, caught kind of dead in your tracks 
around, oh my God, you know, I've worked in this company for, I mean, in some cases, I, I see people who've worked for their entire careers in one company, obviously different roles progressing through, through the ranks, different divisions. But, uh, you know, even if you've been in a company for five or 10 years, you build up significant attachments, significant identification to that role, to the people that you've worked with. It's devastating to leave that position. So it's really important to figure out how you're going to be able to move on. And my message is, and I know it's your message is, yes, there is a future, right? Uh, if you are no longer a fit for the job that you have just left or been pushed out of, there is another fit for you. And I would venture to say that many people who get into their 50s are, are suffering from this sense of disconnection with the role that they have been performing and performing very well because we change in our 50s. And uh, Carl Jung talked about this uh, in his writing a lot. Uh, and there's a lot of psychological literature around this, around this, this psychological change that happens to us as we get into our 50s, as we get older. Uh, there's a psychologist named Eric Erickson who talks about this a lot in his life stages um, uh, system. And when we get into our 50s, we are all of a sudden drawn to creating lives that have a greater degree of meaning and purpose. And in our earlier lives, naturally, we were concerned about getting to work, learning our job, becoming experts. Uh, many of us, maybe most of us, uh, got into relationships, figured that out, raised families, uh, learned how to navigate you know, those transitions, getting the kids through school, out the door. And when you've got this kind of life experience behind you of having overcome all of these challenges and learned all of these lessons, you kind of wake up at 50, 55 going, okay, well, what's next? And you begin to question a lot of what's been going on for yourself professionally. So this is a great opportunity not to kind of go, oh my God, life is over, but this is just another transition. It's a big transition, but we've got decades ahead of us. And it's no longer a culture where, or, a, or a, a condition where you get to 65 and you're done. And there is that gold watch and this pension and you go and sit home and you wait to die, which is the industrial era model. It just doesn't apply anymore. You know, we are living older. If you, if you hit 65 today, According to the Census Bureau, you have a better than one in four chance of living past 90. Wow. And every year that you age past 65 increases the odds that you're going to live past 90. So in a crazy way, the older you get, the older you're going to get. And what are we going to do for all that period of time? We're certainly not going to be sitting on the porch, you know, rocking away 
I don't, I don't think we're going to be playing golf all that time or canasta or whatever we're supposed to be doing in retirement villages. I mean, that seems to be from another generation. So our generation and, a, and the generations that are coming up younger than we are, are much more active, are much more engaged, are much more interested in continuing to, to find that purpose, to exercise that purpose, to keep working or to make an impact. That you don't have to necessarily be working in a full-time job, making a full-time salary uh, for the rest of your life. Uh, that should be an option for some people. Uh, I think the beauty of it, and I, and I know I'm kind of rambling here, but I think the part of the beauty of this period of life is that we get to make some more nuanced choices around what we're going to do. And if you look at the numbers on the statistics on entrepreneurship, the successful entrepreneurs are the successful entrepreneurs over 40, over 50 who start businesses later in life because they know how to do it. They have the, they have the wisdom to be able to actually avoid the problems that younger entrepreneurs have. So we have so many abilities and opportunities. We just need to, in many cases, reframe this sense of ourselves and what we're capable of and open up to getting feedback and direction and collaboration from others who are our age, older, younger, you know, everywhere there's a, there's a, there's a smart person with an interesting perspective who can help you figure out what it is that you are best suited to do going forward. And one thing which I think is really vital is that, I mean, so, so remember Joseph Campbell and follow your bliss, the idea of follow your bliss and the money will follow. Well, that is not a particularly, I mean, to put it mildly, that's not a really good piece of advice. Uh, (laughs) Uh, because uh, uh, you know it, 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 you know, bliss is great. But and I, I, I quote this this commencement address that I read a couple of years ago. A venture capitalist named Ben Horowitz from Silicon Valley who went to Columbia and he gave a commencement address at Columbia and he was saying, if if follow your bliss were a prescription for success, then every con- contestant on American Idol would be a zillionaire. <laughs> And his point was, and this is to graduates, right, who are kind of starting a life and they get pumped up with lots of inspirational claptrap and commencement speeches. He said, follow your usefulness. Don't follow your bliss. Follow your usefulness. And I thought, you know, this makes a lot of sense, not just for graduates, for young people, but it makes sense for older people as well, right? We have lots of usefulness to share and to to, uh, execute on. And I think that's really this opportunity that we have now is to be really useful uh, for ourselves, for other people, and that if we can really follow our usefulness, that usefulness can turn into our bliss. I wanted to ask you also, you talked about having a new career and changing careers and finding something you know, fulfilling. A lot of it seems to relate to... Um, entrepreneurial kind of things, because as you said at the start, generally speaking, you know, people in their fifties or, you know, later in their life, they've got some experience, they know what they're doing and they do better. 
how do you how do you help someone who thinks like oh, you know I'm not an entrepreneur I've got no you know no desire to do that? Yeah, I, I think the that that is, and I get I also get into this conversation a lot. So I don't think you I don't think that everybody has to be an entrepreneur or has to be a, a freelancer, uh, but I do think that everyone has to think like an entrepreneur. And so the 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 meme on that is that you no matter whether you are being paid as a W-2 or as a 1099, as a, as a salaried person or a contractor, you want to think of yourself as a consultant providing value to a client, not as an employee taking directions from a supervisor. So that it kind of goes to a, a, a mindset, which is what's a problem that I can find, and then figure out how to solve. It's not about just showing up and doing the work. It's about being strategic, looking ahead, and uh, taking more responsibility for the work that you do. That's an interesting, uh, interesting point of view. I was thinking about what you said just a couple of seconds ago about reframing things. And I, I was listening to your TED talk where you also spoke about reframing in order to figure out the direction that you're going to go. And I think that's probably something that a lot of people find really difficult, that, that reframing, because um, if they've been doing a job for 20, 30 years, they're kind of, you know, with a blind, you know, they're going along with their blinders on thinking this is all I do. It, yeah. How do you help them reframe to to say hey you know yeah sure i did that job for 30 years but i got a lot out of it and i i learned so many things and you know take it down a different path yeah there are here's here's an exercise that anybody can do um to help begin the reframe process um just take a piece of paper and in the center of the paper draw a little circle and write the words, I am, in the middle of that circle. And then draw a line out, lines out from that circle and write one line that describes, uh, or well, one line, write a series of, of, of nuggets around what it is that you loved doing in your work. And it doesn't have to be about the bottom line or it doesn't have to be about, it, it could be, I loved replacing the five gallon uh, water bottles in the kitchenette. I'm just picking that <laughs> randomly out of my head. But in other words, it, it doesn't have to be what you would think of as directly related to your job, to you know what they pay you for. Uh, because in many cases, they don't know what they're paying you for, <laughs> right? And they're kind of going on on inertia. But in the meantime, over the course of the time you're there, you're picking up a lot of valuable experience that is, I would argue, portable, that really goes below the nominal value of what your job description said. So to be able to freely just... Um, catalog all of these nuggets 
of what you love doing. And it could be in your job, could be in the volunteer work, could be with your family, could be with your friends. Uh, you know, what are the what are the intuitive reactions, responses that you that you have to that question? And start cataloging these ideas. And you can do that kind of star pattern, those lines. You can do do this on post-its or index cards. But I think it's really helpful if you get it out of your head, put it on paper, and be able to have it in this movable format where, I mean, remember refrigerator magnets? Maybe you still have refrigerator magnets where, you know, the challenge was to mix and match those little words to, to form phrases and wisdom or whatever it was that, that you could do. It was fun. And this is a, a great pro, uh, process to use for figuring out your next steps, whether it's career-oriented or lifestyle, uh, location, maybe you want to move. I mean, any problem that you've got that's big that you can't get a handle on, start breaking it down into those little components. And what will happen, and this goes back to reframe, what will happen is that you will kind of short circuit or shortcut or end run, I guess is the word, that judgmental part of you that says, well, I am this person and I don't, and I can't do that. And, uh, and uh, this is not the way the world works. And I'm not the kind of person who, anytime you hear yourself say that, stop. Because who says you're not that kind of person? You know, you've been saying that to yourself for many years. It may not be true. So reframing is this process of getting all of these ideas out of using your imagination. And it's not just one session. This is an ongoing process. So I would really encourage people to use a whiteboard or a, or a corkboard and, and put these ideas up on the wall somewhere where you're going to see it every day and keep looking at it and see, you know, spend a few minutes just looking at it and going, huh, that's interesting. And maybe something will, will, will jar and you'll go, you know, I'm, I'm going to change that noun into a verb, right? Or, or, there was, or there was another experience and I wonder what it was and I can't remember it. And you'll pick up the phone, you'll call a colleague and say, hey, remember that, that trip that we went on with a client and this happened and we were in this restaurant? What, 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 what was, tell me that story again. And that will rekindle the memory of something that was very significant, perhaps. Again, I'm making this stuff up. But to kind of give you an idea of the freedom that you want to use to explore and to be open to the possibility that there is so much more for you out there if you would just gently move off of your uh, limited thinking or limited beliefs about what you have and this fear that we all have around change. And this idea that, oh my God, if, if, if I change, it's like pulling the plug out of the bathtub and all the water's gonna drain out and I'm gonna be left with nothing. And that is an irrational fear because the truth is that the exact opposite happens. That you, you, you actually pull the plug out of the bathtub and the, and the bathtub starts to fill up right? Because, and I wasn't really intending to make this analogy, but 
But the truth is that there is actually more pressure coming into the bathtub, your mind, you know, your consciousness from your imagination from the universe than there is that wants to go out, right? So we fear this lack when in fact we have oodles of abundance and opportunity waiting for us to just let, let it in. I really like that. I, I like that analogy, actually, because I'm going to use it again. I hadn't thought about it before. Thank uh, you. No, it's great because it, it changes everything about the way that you look at it. If you if you stop and think. I'm all stressed because I'm scared I'm losing something, but then you open that up and whoosh, there's a whole bunch of new opportunities, new ideas, new yeah. things coming in. That's a, yeah. Yeah. So I'll tell you a story from my own my own personal reinvention. You talked about how I'd you know, reinvented my myself at fifty, and I had you know I, I was in the movie business for, uh, for all told thirty five years with a little ten year, five ten year sabbatical into technology in the nineties during the bubble, and um, and that was a great experience to to kind of get out of this day to day movie business stuff and being executive and and be an entrepreneur and start a company and raise the money and all that, and then of course it went up, and then. In 2001, the NASDAQ crashed and everything crashed and we crashed with it and the customers went away and the money went away and I thought, what am I going to do now? And I decided to go back to school and earn this uh, psychology degree. But I, I mean, I had, I had remortgaged the house for the last time. You know, I had a little girl in, in uh, elementary school. Uh, my wife wasn't working at the time. And I, I thought, I, I got to do something, but I have no idea where I'm going. And this introspective process was very much this, like this kind of pulling the stopper and feeling like, I mean, I'm, I'm on my last legs here and I don't know what, where this is going to lead. But the miracle of this was that in the process of doing a lot of this reframing, and of course this was a psychology program. So it was all about understanding the mechanisms and the behavioral um, uh, patterns uh, in our minds. And, and it was an experiential program. So I was doing a lot of the work on myself and other people and, you know, were collaborating on this. So it was a very, very interactive process. And I began talking differently about myself and about, and kind of realized different interests. So I started interviewing uh, and this one job that just where the interview process seemed to go on forever and ever and ever. And I kept meeting new people. I was like, well, what's going on? Well, we want you to meet some more people. And we don't know if we've got a job for you, but we're, you're an interesting person. So we want to you know, introduce you to more people. <laughs> and this was a DreamWorks animation. And, and eventually they hired me. And, uh, but it took nine months. And it was easily the best job of my career. And, and it was that case of pulling the plug risking losing everything and having everything be filled up. So I, I took this real bet on myself and the universe said, oh, that's who you are. We're going to bring you a job that's just right for you. And that's exactly what happened. It was totally miraculous on one level. On another level, I allowed it. And that makes a big difference. Yep. So my, my point, recommendation, encouragement to anyone who's watching and listening is that 
you really have the miracle inside you right now for what your next step is going to be, for what your future is going to look like. And in a way, and I know this sounds perhaps naive, but it, it works. If you can get out of your own way and be open and be willing to look for the opportunities that show up, they will show up for you. And I think along those same lines, if you do the little bit of exercise like you're talking about to figure out what you might be interested in, what you might be good at, there's a lot to be said for the, uh, the idea that the um, reticular ac activating center in your brain is going to start looking for that. If that's the thing that you're focused on, that's what you're going to see. That's what's going to show up just the, the same way that after you buy a new car, everybody's driving that car because that's what you're looking at. Absolutely. I love that you mentioned the reticular activation system. That is so true. And that is such a powerful part of our, of our uh, neurological makeup. So when people are doing this and they're you know, busy thinking about what it is they want to do and what they might be able to do, one of the things that I know a lot of people worry about and a lot of people have faced is the idea that as they get older, people don't want them in the workplace. There's a, some cultures, which are lovely, uh, revere their elders, mm -hmm. but our culture isn't one of those. And how do you help people get over that and get past the, the ageism that's out there? Yes. Yes. It is toxic. I'm always talking about this. I'm always engaging with people about, about ageism, about how to um, deal with it. There is no convincing people who are biased, regardless of what the ism is, whether it's ageism, racism, um, uh, you know, any of the biases that are out there today that we are all dealing with, you, you can't convince someone that they're wrong about this. Uh, ageism is a particularly strange ism because it applies to everyone. Everyone's going to get old. Uh, and uh, so it, it, it is really, as, as one writer has described it, it is this, it is this, uh, it is this fear and, uh, and uh, bias against one's future self, uh, which seems to make no sense, but it is, but it's real. Um, what I, I think is also the case is that we are, we are reaping the, the harvest of a uh, segmented, um, segregated, age segregated society. Um, and in the old days, of course, we lived in multi-generational families and it was very common for there to be relationships between older people and younger people. Um, in, in America, we have uh, sequestered old people into their own homes, their own their own places left to die. Uh, we don't keep them around. We don't take care of them. Uh, although that's changing, and I think that's good. And I think that anything we can do to encourage multi multi generational environments is good. Uh, I have a course on LinkedIn Learning about this, which your listeners might find uh, interesting about the advantages of the multi generational workforce and how 
we need to use diversity, diversity, equity, and, and inclusion initiatives in companies to include age as part of the diversity agenda. Uh, and there's a, a guy named Carl Pilmer at Cornell who's done a lot of research about multi-generational workforce and, and society in general. And it's as simple as putting older people and younger people together in the same room, the same team, and a lot of this just falls away. But in practice, um, we encounter this, and we encounter this, this age shaming that goes on. Uh, and I believe that the way to, to circumvent it is to barrel right into it. Uh, so I was just today on a conversation on LinkedIn about this with someone. Don't hide your age on your resume. Don't give in to the idea that your age is shameful. Celebrate the experience that you have. And by being forthright, look for and bond with others out there who also recognize the value that you bring because of your age and your, your experience. And this goes to a very important part of the job process for me as a career coach, which is stop chasing job openings and start building relationships, particularly as a older workers and older candidate, your value cannot be encapsulated in a two page resume. It's a great start, but the real value that you have is based on the affinity that you have with other people who understand what you represent, what you can do. And you have to do that by building relationships, whether it's online on LinkedIn or Facebook or, or on other uh, social media platforms or in person. And we're, we're going back out there where we're going to be able to reach out to get together in groups. We're going to be able to meet with people who, who share our affinities professionally um, and otherwise. Uh, and those relationships are what will get you the referral you need to the job. So you need to be actively meeting new people and be curious, you know, be a researcher. Uh, you're not hat in hand trying to get someone to give you a job, you know, and uh, you know, you just, you deserve to be a peer and to be a colleague with other people who are in your field or in contiguous fields and, uh, have questions for them. They'll have questions for you. Build a relationship based on shared interests. Uh, refer, get referred to other people who want to broaden the conversation. Uh, learn more. You know, figure out where are the areas that that you would like to improve your knowledge and go for those areas. Uh, you may find that there's there's income in those areas, and that if you spend six months, twelve months, eighteen months as a student, uh, as a, as a, as a uh, intern, as a, some kind of a fellow traveler in these circles, you may find that because of your value and what you know about life and working with people, they're going to say, look, I don't care that you don't have a degree in this. You know how to do this. We're bringing you in. I think that's a, a great place to kind of stop because it's a it's a call to action and really because it's 
you know, get out there and be you, show off what you've got. And that's, I think that's the the big key is you've got a lot. Yes. And I, I agree with you, be you. It's okay to be you. Um, John, I think you've got a couple of things that uh, you offer on your website. Um, can you tell us about them? Yes. Well, there is a ebook that I want to offer to your viewers and listeners. And if you go to the following URL, it's go.johntarnoff.com forward slash three steps, the number three steps, three S-T-E-P-S. Um, there is a, a free ebook, which really is intended to kind of get you going on the process. And I talk about three things that you can get going right now to begin this process of figuring out your next move, um, you know, three valuable exercises that you can adopt to, uh, to, to get this process going. Well, wow, that's awesome. Thank you very much. I'm sure that the listeners will get a lot out of that. It's, uh, it's my pleasure. Very valuable. And your regular website is johntarnoff.com. Yes, and you can uh, you can just search for me pretty much anywhere by uh, using my name, uh, and uh, you know you can find me on LinkedIn. Just search for me on LinkedIn, and uh, I, I publish regularly across a bunch of these channels. Uh, it's it's all about second act careers, uh, mid to late career uh, job search, and uh, using the tools and techniques of of the digital age to support all of us in getting uh, sustainable, persistent, rewarding, meaningful careers. Thanks very much, John. I really enjoyed talking with you today. My pleasure. And that's it for this episode of Beyond Retirement. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I hope you enjoyed it. To check out the video interviews, please go to my YouTube channel at bit.ly forward slash beyond retirement. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash beyond retirement. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss any new episodes.